Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. Honestly, it's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and talk about how the truth of God's Word can make a huge difference in your life. And that's what we're going to hear from Richard in a way that only he can do with words of hope, insight, and humor. You may be stuck in traffic or stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help get you on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. So let's get right into today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Joystick. Joy. I have said this before, and I'm going to kind of retract maybe some of what I've said, that there is a difference between being happy and having joy. And if you look in the scriptures, there's really not a lot of distinction. There's not a big difference between being happy and having joy. These things are interchangeable. So you can be happy, you can have joy, or you can not be happy and not have joy. And it's pretty obvious where you are when that's the case. Joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. There's one definition. And happy is defined as feeling or showing pleasure or contentment. So I was trained as a little kid. My dad decided we were going to be a little dog and pony show. And I have pictures of this if you care to see him one time. But little cowboy hats that we got in old Mexico fringe leather jackets, boots, the whole deal, and we were the Von Trapped family singers. So, uh, so I'm kind of semi-joking, but he was a tremendous singer. My mom played the piano. He was an evangelist, so his idea was that the kids would sing and perform where he preached, and I mean, one of the first places we ever sang was like in front of 3,000 people, and we're just little kids, like, so we don't know what's going on. But what we were instructed to do was this, smile. Now here's where this kind of went awry. We were trained to sing and smile or else, and that's a problem. And this is what I've shared with you before about being raised to act like a Christian. So, and I'm not throwing my dad under the bus, just saying what happened. So you get this miscommunication, this misunderstanding of what this is about. So we were supposed to love Jesus. Okay, I got that. And you're supposed to look like it whether you feel like it or not. Now, when you're a little kid, that's very, very confusing. But once you get trained to do that, then you think, well, that's it. I'll get around Christians where I have to pull this off, and I will smile big and act like everything's okay. And then when I get away from those people, I'll just go back to being who I am, whoever that is. Then on top of that, we got added the testimony portion of our singing act, where you handed a microphone, and as a part of the singing, it stopped, and between songs, you shared your testimony. Now, what my dad didn't know is that we would get very emotional. This was among the three of us. We would get really emotional sharing our testimony, not because we love Jesus, because we were so upset that we were having to do this. So everyone in the room thought the sadness was tied to our deep love for God, but our sadness was like, what the heck is going on? But if you don't do it, you're toast, right? So this is not good. This is not what I'm talking about. When you are happy in the Lord, when you have true joy, somehow that is going to bubble up from the inside out, and it should not be all the time unless it's all the time. Does that make sense? So if you have joy all the time, the joy of the Lord is your strength, we'll read some of these scriptures, and that's who you are, that's great. But you don't have to act like everything's okay when everything's not okay. Because that tells people something else. That's not real. 
So what they say is, so sometimes you don't look very happy. I'm not really happy. Why are you unhappy? And you tell them what's going on. They go, okay, I get that. But if you're happy all the time just because someone said you're supposed to be happy, that's not real. Now, I do believe, and we'll get to this toward the end, that the longer you walk with God, the more time you are going to walk with genuine joy, with genuine happiness, not that everything that happens in your life is good, but there's going to be something about walking with him his way that is just going to fill you and overflow, and it can be genuine. Okay? Everybody on the same page? So the question today is, how do you make joy stick? I read a quote by St. Thomas Aquinas. He said this, man cannot live without joy. Therefore, when he is deprived of true spiritual joys, it is necessary that he become addicted to carnal pleasures. Now let that soak in. So you say, well, I can't find joy, but I want to feel something. I want to be happy. So what do you do? Drugs, sex, alcohol, ego, whatever it is, some carnal pleasure And you say, well, I'm going to fill myself with this because I'm not filled with joy, so i got to find a counterfeit of some kind to make my life work. And so it takes these constant jolts of something to make you feel something and make your life work, as opposed to just having Christ in you and his life overflow in your life, and you go, wow, this is what I've looked for my whole life. Now go to Psalm chapter 30. Psalm chapter 30 and we're going to read a bunch of scripture today. So, uh, so Psalm 30, verse 1. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. O Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment... His favor is for life. Look at the contrast. You say, well, I think God's mad at me. God's upset with me. Maybe he has a right to be. But his anger for a moment. But what's the contrast? But his favor is for life. You can't come up with God's been angry with me as a Christian my whole life. There are moments where he goes, yeah, I'm disappointed. We're going to take some action here and something's going to have to change. But his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And you say, well, how is that possible to go from weeping in one moment and joy, or if you say, well, how can I be so upset in one moment and then have joy or be happy the next? Is that possible? Now, I'm looking out just in this room, I can go a bunch of seats where this is real, where this is not hypothetical, where people have lost a spouse and weeping, maybe many nights, but somehow their joy comes back. You say, well, where did they get that? There's a kind of happiness and a joy that the world experiences, but there's a happiness and a joy that you cannot get from anywhere but God. Psalm 51. Now, this may be where you've gotten messed up or mixed up or where this thing is locked up and why your joy doesn't stick. Now, let me say this very clearly. If you are dealing with sin or undealt with sin in your life, you will not have joy. When we do not deal with our sin, we continue in our sin, back to the Thomas Aquinas quote, and we make that the substitute for what God offers as joy, as true happiness, what he intends. So instead of going to him, we go back to that and then just compound the problem and stay in our sin. Get out of your sin. And this whole chapter here, Psalm 51, is David finally coming clean and saying, God, you know, I admit it. Have mercy. Admits what he's done. 
and goes through all this, blot out my sin, purge me, make me hear joy and gladness that the bones, down in verse 8, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Don't hide your face from me. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Now, this is Old Testament, and that was a thing. The Holy Spirit could come on someone and come off someone. New Testament, he's not going to leave you. How in the world can you have the same God who created the entire universe living in your body and not have joy? That shouldn't even be possible unless you've shoved him so far in the basement closet trying to keep him quiet and leave you alone so you can live in your house of sin that you finally go down there and say, look, I know you're not going to leave me, but I've left you. I've tried to leave you out and it's costing me. Now, let me tell you some really good news about your bad news. If you and I decide not to repent and decide to just lock down and live like hell, literally, and move it forward that way, the bad news is it's just going to get worse, but that's where the good news comes in. Because sooner or later, you will say uncle, so you can say father, and get on with the life he intended. Because it will get worse and worse. You say, well, what about so-and-so? They're running from God. I'm like, they cannot outrun God. There is such a thing as running from God, but you cannot outrun a God who is in you everywhere you run. How are you going to do that? You say, well, it's just taking God a long time. It's not that it's taking God a long time. It's taking the stubborn person who will not yield a long time. And God keeps turning the dial, turning the dial. And the consequences escalate till they finally say, I can't take this anymore. I want my joy back. And here's what David says in this. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Not my salvation, your salvation. So what comes with salvation? Joy. Joy. So what is he saying? I've lost the joy of you saving me, of your salvation. I don't want to live this way. So what did it take before he gets to verse 12? Admitting he's a sinner, confessing his sin, asking God to make him clean. And he goes on to say, and uphold me with your generous spirit, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. John chapter 15, this is Jesus. Verse 9, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So very connected. He's saying, I want you to be connected with me, my love, the way I am with my Father and his love for me. These things I have spoken to you that my joy, Jesus saying, my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Now, let me tell you something about something that is full. I don't do this anymore because I'm all grown up, but at least it had been a couple of weeks. But some of us say, you know, bring me something to drink or, you know, pour me some water. So what does the stupid kid in me do? I take the pitcher of water and I pour the water in the glass to where it's just right at the edge and they can't even pick it up and drink it without spilling it. Right? The people that you hear laughing out loud are just as silly. So I define that as full. Is that how you would describe the joy in your life? Full. His joy is in you. That's one thing he said, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. He talked about his joy. Now he's talking about your joy. So you say, well, how do you keep a cup full? Fill it back up. <laughs> and who does the filling? Scripture talks about be filled with the Spirit, but what it really says is be you being filled. It's like this perpetual keep it coming. So you say, well, Lord, I want my life to make a difference. I want to have an impact. Then just ask him to keep filling you, can keep filling you, and keep filling you. 
Okay, Acts chapter 2. So the question is, how do you make your joy stick? I'm about to read you something in Acts chapter 2 that is basically quoting Psalm 16. And if you underline stuff in your Bible, you need to underline this. And if you're interested in living this life at all, you need to pay attention. Verse 28. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence." And if you go read that in Psalm 16, just listen, verse 10. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You want fullness of joy. You will not find it anywhere but his presence. Now you say, well, I thought Jesus lived in me if I'm a Christian. He is present. He is in you. I'm talking about a relationship. You can live in the same house with a person and never speak to them and be in the same house. You can sleep in the same bed and never touch. I've done that. Not a proud moment, but I remember nights when things were so tough with me and Rebecca. Thank God we had a king-size bed. Because I literally crawled in. I was so angry, so upset, so locked up. I'd crawl in on my side, and I was basically holding myself in the bed on the, you know, the railing. Anything to not get on that side. Don't want to bump into her. And almost not sleep, just trying to stay. You say you're sleeping in the same bed. Doesn't mean anything. So you say, I'm a Christian. Well, tell me about, this is kind of my new question for people. I'm almost stopped asking people whether they're Christians. My question now is this, tell me about your relationship with Jesus, and then just listen, because they either got one or they don't. So you met him one time, or you know him? How long you been knowing him? How long you been getting to know him? What do you know about him? What is he like? Not what is he like, what does he like? See, I know things about my wife, nobody knows. She's my wife, and she knows things about me, nobody knows. I'm her husband. So what do you know about Jesus? Let me just give you some ideas of little things you might know or you're going to find out. He likes little songs. You say, well, how do you know that? I got kids. Nothing like seeing little kids singing little songs to their parents. The whole world stops. Cameras come out. You're like, they can't sing. It's not even about that. They're little kids, and it's coming from their heart. So you're driving down the road. Just say, hey, Jesus, I bet you like this song. It's about you. So you spend some time in his presence, and what is in his presence? Fullness of joy. And then you leave his presence, and people go, dude, where have you been? Like, you don't look sad, like you look happy sad. Like, what happened to you? Man, I just, you know, I just spent some time with Jesus. And we got to talking, and man, I just remembered and read some stuff he wrote to me. And, you know, how many people do that? They get out old letters that somebody wrote them. Like they were just fresh in that moment. You know this stuff works. Why don't we use it on him? Again, back to my dad. You know, I'm good with my dad. And he did the best he could with what he had. He was trying to reach people and just left out some pieces. What I wish somebody had done when I was a little kid was slow down a little bit and tell me some of this. That God really loved me. 
and I didn't have to perform for him, that I could just get to know him and that he knew me completely and I was going to get to know him and it would be a relationship. And then out of that relationship, I could tell you along the way some cool stuff that happened in that relationship. And I've got some really extraordinary things along the way that he's done for me. The day he revealed to me that he loved me will never be the same. have never been the same since that day. I just didn't know. I knew in my head. I just didn't know in my heart. And he finally somehow made it possible for me to know here that he loved me. Acts 20. So this is Acts 20, verse 17. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. So here, suffering again, tears, trials. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ, and seeing now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but the warnings that I'm getting in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me. So he knows if he goes to Jerusalem, and that's where God told him to go, chains and tribulations await him. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race, what? With joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. How do you plan to finish your race? Are you even in the race? Have you just sat down on a curb on your butt and quit? You say, but the guy knows he's going to have tears and tribulation and chains and all these problems. It's just the deal. You say, well, I don't want to suffer. You are going to suffer. I keep saying this repeatedly. There is no way around suffering. And the Bible says you're either going to suffer for doing the right thing or the wrong thing, but you're going to suffer. So you got to get over this thing of I've got to find a way not to suffer. So if you're going to suffer, let it be for his sake. And if you're going to run the race, run it in such a way that you finish it with joy. You say, but there could be catastrophic things ahead of me. That's okay. Finish it with joy. Stay full every day. You say, but I'm in pain. I've got suffering. I've got tribulation. I've got persecution. It's in the book. That's what you signed up for. Finish the race with joy. Now I'm going to read these quick. Galatians 5, 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering goes on this fruit. It's like a piece of fruit, like an orange. And you say, well, it's not the fruits of the spirit. It's the fruit of the spirit. So when you get the fruit of the spirit, you get all the segments in the one piece of fruit. So when you get the fruit of the spirit, you get the whole package and that package should show up. When you're walking with him, when you're full of him, all this stuff is going to manifest. You're going to have love, you're going to have joy, you're going to have peace, but joy is part of that package. Here's an intense one, Hebrews 12. Some of you know this by heart, Hebrews 12, 1. And listen to the sequence on this. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and then look at this phrase, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So you say, well, what do you mean the joy that is set before him? How could a cross possibly be joy? You have to see past the pain, past the cross. The joy that was set before him is us. 
How do you think parents do their job? Dirty diapers, screaming babies, no sleep, pregnancy, what have I left out? Kids that aren't grateful, complaining, you know, whatever you're putting up with. Why would you do that? Because you love your children and you can see down the road past all the pain to one day hopefully they'll grow up and be adults and make grandbabies. And I guess that's what the payoff is for some people. So when you have joy set before you, you can see there's a bigger picture, then you can endure the cross, the suffering, despise the shame. In other words, okay, so I'll hang there naked. I'll do whatever it takes to get us. I'll close with this, Jude. Jude 24, it's only one chapter. Now listen to this. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Start with that. Who is able to keep you from stumbling. You got trouble stumbling? Now, on the other hand, my dad was six foot nine, 270. Nobody, my dad was bigger than your dad. There was no dad bigger than my dad. So I was afraid of him at some times, but couldn't have been safer. But I do remember this, and he walked at a clip. When you're six foot nine, when six foot nine starts moving, you better be moving. And he had huge strides. Boom, boom. He'd go down the street. But if he reached out and grabbed your hand, if you could keep up, you weren't going to stumble. Do you know why? Because even if you stumbled, he carried you. You were airborne. You might be airborne spinning, but you weren't stumbling. So why don't you spend a little time with someone who can keep you from stumbling if you're tired of stumbling? Now, I'm going to tell you very personally, I know why I don't spend time with him when I don't spend time with him. Because I'm enjoying my stumbling. The problem with stumbling is that if you don't correct that, you turn into a stumbling block for someone else. And now you're not stumbling by yourself, you're taking people down when you go down. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And exceeding is exceeding, extreme, overwhelming, just like boom joy. So what is he trying to do? Help you not stumble, present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Now, I get a picture, did a wedding, and I even said at the wedding, part of my experience at a wedding is similar to anybody at the front, but I get to watch the back door, and it's astonishing. Sometimes I see the bride before the wedding, sometimes I don't. But the most recent one, music, you know, everybody's in but the bride. And they hit that note, and those back doors open, and there she is. The groom almost falls over every time. And there she is. And you know what? Almost 100% of the time she is faultless from the outside. Not a hair out of place. Not a loose eyelash anywhere. (laughs) Why? Because she got ready for that moment. Are you getting ready for that moment to come in the back door? Now, the cool thing about us is that the groom is the one getting the bride ready. And we are the bride. And he has a purpose and a plan for us. What is that? Keep us from stumbling, present us faultless, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Richard will be back in a moment to wrap up today's talk. But first, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Let's be honest. Real life isn't about living some highlight reel for others to see. Most people have deep hurts, questions, and struggles. Well, we get it, and we want to help you in any way we can. So let's keep this conversation going. You can give us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. 
You can even put in your prayer request right there on the prayer wall. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or online at richardellistalks.com. And now let's get back to Richard with a final word on today's show. Now, I'm going to tell you what my plan is. I am so overwhelmed with gratitude that I actually know that he loves me. I don't have a happy smile all the time. I'm not full of joy all the time. But if I'm not, there's a reason why. And the reason why is something's not right between me and him. Or I'm holding on to something. I've stumbled on something. You say, well, but you're the preacher. You should look like it all the time. Like you have to get you another preacher. Because I'm not playing that game either. I grew up around that where preachers were perfect. And that's not real. I have days. You got days. I stumble. You stumble. What I'm trying to show you is that you can get back up and you can hit that finish the race with joy and be presented in his presence with exceeding joy. And then the next verse, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. This has been Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. There's only one reason we do this program, to take the planet with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's our message and our mission. And you have a vital part of doing that along with us. If you've been encouraged by these talks with Richard, be sure to share with someone about the change they've made in your life. And we'd love to hear your story as to how the talks have made a difference to you. Give us a call. We'd love to talk with you. 855-6-RICHARD. You can also reach us through our website, richardellistalks.com. And while you're there, check out all the fun and informative pages we put together for you, richardellistalks.com. While you're there, be sure to click on the Contribute tab at the top to send your generous gift. If the program is making a difference to you, your gift will make a big difference to us. Until next time, thanks so much for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.